Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we have been reading together uh, about David's life from the books of First and Second Samuel. Uh, and this morning we come to uh, what is undoubtedly uh, one of the most uh, well-known stories uh, in Scripture, maybe one of the most well-known stories in the world. Uh, many people know the broad outlines of the story of David and Goliath, even if they've uh, never read a Bible or never been in church. So we're going to talk uh, about 1 Samuel 17 this morning. Uh, we can't read it all. I'll just read a little bit of it for us, the main thrust of it. Um, but I think it'd be great uh, to read in its full later this afternoon. So this is from 1 Samuel 17. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that you uh, would meet us in the words of this story that is so familiar to many of us. 
that you'd be happy to use these words and, and uh, what happens in this moment to draw us closer to Christ and that you would change us by his grace. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my family was sitting around in the living room watching some uh, dumb videos on YouTube. They were no doubt fail videos. Uh, And I don't remember exactly what triggered this, but we saw something um, that made one of the girls say, oh, that's like Yanny or Laurel. She said, that's like Yanny or Laurel. Um, And we immediately looked that up. Maybe some of you um, remember this mild internet sensation from a few years back, Yanny and Laurel. Uh, It's an audio clip that just repeats the same name over and over and over again. But the thing is, um, when some people hear the clip, they hear the name Yanny. And when other people hear the clip, they hear the name Laurel. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it. I have tried desperately, desperately to hear Laurel, and I cannot hear it. And the other day, uh, Pastor David played it in his office, and all he could hear was Laurel. He couldn't hear Yanny. It was uh, super weird. And I think it is remarkable uh, that two people can experience the same thing. Um, but that they can see and hear that same thing very differently. Uh, And I thought about that this week as I was uh, thinking about this passage that we just read together, this story. I mean, Saul and all of his guys are looking out across the valley of Elah and at Goliath of Gath, and all they can see is the valley of Elah and Goliath of Gath. For 40 days straight, that is all they can see. But David stumbles onto the scene with this cheese delivery, and in an instant he sees a completely different thing. When David shows up, he sees a totally different world, and he can't believe that no one else can see what he does. And part of you and I growing up in our faith is learning to see what David saw even when no one around us is seeing it. So the very uh, first line in the story is, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. Um, The Philistines were these people from Crete. They had come across the Mediterranean Sea. They had settled into five cities along the coast of Canaan, and they had settled at about the same time that Israel was settling into the land of Canaan, and so they quickly became rivals, these two people groups. But the thing was that the Philistines, uh, they were dauntless warriors. They had much more advanced military technology, things like iron chariots. And so on paper, uh, Israelite victories against Philistines, um, they looked like pretty long odds. Uh, You know, kind of like uh, a bunch of small investors versus massive hedge funds, let's say. So the scene is set. There are these two armies stationed on opposite high points overlooking the Valley of Elah. And that's when this champion uh, comes out from the Philistines. His name is Goliath. We didn't read these lines, but there are lots and lots and lots of lines in the story that are just dedicated to describing his physical appearance, to describing the composition and the weight 
of all of his armament, all of his weapons. This guy is massive. He is covered in heavy armor. (laughs) He is built for close hand-to-hand combat. And he is the worst kind of loudmouth there is. For 40 days straight, he comes out of his camp and he taunts Saul and he taunts his troops. He comes into the valley and he looks up at them. And what he offers is to stand in for his whole army against any Israelite who would stand in for their whole army in a fight to the death for all the marbles. And because of who Goliath is, the situation looks very, very bad. In fact, we're told that Saul and all of Israel were dismayed. (laughs) They were greatly afraid. 40 days straight, greatly afraid. It was kind of like Goliath and all of his taunts and all of the real danger that they represented had become like a center of gravity for them. Saul and his troops are completely sucked into his orbit. He's all that they can see, and they are paralyzed with fear. Their world had become small. It had become suffocating. It had become hopeless. Now, I, um, I have never stared down a, a murdering warrior, a massive warrior. But I do know what it feels like to have my world shrink. I do know what it feels like to to feel paralyzed and to feel hopeless. I know what it feels like to, to sense that my whole life orbits around this trouble that I can't seem to shake. And maybe you know what that feels like too. Life in a broken world throws things like that at us all of the time. You know, maybe uh, it is some criticism against you that feels really close to the bone. And you can't get out of the orbit of anger or shame or hiding that this thing has caused. Or maybe uh, it's a friend or someone you love who is sick. Or maybe it's a, a kid, one of your children, who's wandering into trouble and you cannot get out of the orbit of anxiety and helplessness that you feel. Maybe uh, it's your job, you know, not having one, or insecurity about the one you have. Or maybe it's school and this nagging sense that you can't keep up. And these things start to feel in our lives like these dark suns that, that pull our whole lives in. You know, nobody... Nobody gets a smooth ride in this world. And these things are part of our shared experience of being human beings. And we can feel like they did in that moment, like things are bad and dire and hopeless. Like Saul and his troops, we can feel distressed and greatly afraid. But here's the question. There is more. There is more going on in the world than just what they can see in the valley of Elah, right? There is more happening than just what they can see. 
And you know, maybe you hear that and you hear an echo of the story that we talked about last week where, the, where God says to the prophet Samuel, don't just look at outward appearance. You need to begin to see as God sees. And we talked about cultivating a way of seeing like God sees. Well, <clears throat> enter young David. <laughs> he, he is still uh, mostly watching the flocks these days, but one day his dad, Jesse, sends him on this bread and cheese delivery to the front lines because that's where his older brothers were. They were fighting in that battle, such as it was. And he arrives in time to hear the taunts of Goliath. And when he hears it, this is what he says. And church, these are important words because they're the very first things that David says in Scripture. These are the very first words that we hear out of his mouth. He says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, on the one hand, (laughs) that sounds a lot like a guy who is amped up to fight. And that is a huge part of David's life that kind of uh, impulse to violence. It's a big part of his life. It's a part of his life that will haunt him to the end. But on the other hand, there's something else there. David can see what nobody else sees in that moment. There is a living God, and he is with us, and he is for us. David sees past the the closed world of the Valley of Elah, and he sees into the reality that stands above and behind and all around it. I don't think he's being naive about the real danger that's out there. I just think he is absolutely convinced of the larger unseen reality that he perceives that gives meaning and shape to what he can see. And because he has that faith, he is willing to put skin in the game. He tells King Saul, listen, nobody's heart should fail because of this clown. I will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul, of course, thinks this is a terrible idea for all of the obvious reasons. I mean, David is a kid. (laughs) He watches sheep. He plays music. These things do not exactly qualify him to be the champion of Israel. But David begs to differ. Uh, He he tries to speak in the language that maybe Saul will understand. He starts telling Saul about all of his fights with wild animals while he's out watching the sheep. And here's the punchline to to the stories that David tells to Saul. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, that Lord will deliver me from this Philistine. There is a living God, Saul. And he's with us. And he is for us. And so Saul relents and he lets him go. And when David gets out there, he says exactly the same thing to Goliath. You come to me with a sword. You come to me with a spear. You come to me with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will deliver you into my hand that all of the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. The Lord saves not with sword and spear. This battle is his. David sees 
what is really true. And part of, part of you and I maturing in our faith, part of us growing up in our faith is learning to see what's true. That there is a living God <laughs> and he has made promises to us and he has made promises for our good. Promises to heal us, promises to forgive us, promises to deliver us and to deliver the whole broken world. Church, that is the meaning of the cross and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. His life is given for our life and for the good of the world. And that good news, <laughs> that truth, it gives uh, meaning and shape to the reality that we can see. It speaks directly to our sense of anxiety or helplessness. It speaks directly to our feeling of, of shame or our desire to run and hide. It speaks to the sickness of the people we love and to the wandering around of the people that we love. I know that it is sometimes hard to see that. <laughs> sometimes uh, it feels like whatever trouble it is that we're facing, that it's the center of gravity and nothing else is true. But this story... It's telling us again that there is more to life than what we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands. There is a God who is for us. He is there and he is with us. You know, sometimes when we tell this story in the church, um, we, we let everybody leave with this idea that now we can go and slay, you know, our giants. But that's not really what this story is about. This story is about uh, God standing in for us as our champion. The one for the many. To take on all of the things that stand against us and to defeat them. I know there are times when that is difficult to see. There's all kinds of competing stories out there that want to tell us. They're happy to tell us we're on our own. And we better just do the best we can. But young David in this story is, I think, a great picture of the unlikely and upside-down good news of the true story of the world. On the one side, there's this massive, heavily armored, fully armed and battle-tested warrior. And on the other, there's just this kid with a staff and a slingshot and some stones. It looks bad. <laughs> it looks like really long odds. But as the Apostle Paul said, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so all of David's predictions come true. And the battle, if you can even call it that, is over just a couple of seconds after it begins. Because the living God is with us. And he is for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that uh, when we look at trouble in our own lives, or in the lives of people that we love, when we feel sucked into that orbit where we start to believe 
that that's the only thing that's true and that's all there is. Father, when we are, like these guys, dismayed and fearful, we ask that you would help us to see what is true. That in Jesus you are with us and you are for us. You have stood in for us to defeat everything that stands against us. And you offer us forgiveness and healing and new life. And you are remaking us and the world. Father, help us to see that even when no one else around us can. Help us to rest and live in that so that we would mature in our faith and so that we would become slowly but more and more a people through whom you can love this broken world. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.